Father, this morning we come to you. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for your son. It is only your son. Because of your son, we all are here. We know each other. The depth of your love for us. If Jesus wasn't there, we wouldn't be here. We would have been a people lost. Lost. Once again, Father, for the beginning of the word, we thank you for the Son. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us. For his life, for his death, and for his resurrection. Therefore, we stand today with confidence that we serve a God who is living, a God who speaks now. And I pray you speak to us. Let the entrance of your word bring light, more light, so that we will walk in that light. Speak to us, teach us, equip us to face our the days that are ahead. Give us hearing ears, understanding mind, a heart that believes, a will that obeys. That's all we ask. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We turn to our text and we'll move from there. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, then 23 and 24. For the message of the cross, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross. Every message has to be the message of the cross. It's not an exciting thing. For those who don't understand. But it is the most beautiful thing for us. No cross. No salvation. No cross. No power. It is the power of God. To those of us who are being saved. The message of the cross is the power of God. And verse 23, 24. For we preach Christ crucified. Another religion, which finishes its fast, I think, today, talks about Christ, but not Christ crucified. One thing they will vehemently deny, that Christ was crucified. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. You can include them also in that category because they came after the gospel. But for the Christ crucified is a stumbling block. To the Greeks, to the Gentiles, foolishness. Like I have kept saying, look at any pagan god. From the Greeks, to the Romans, the Scandinavians, to the Egyptians. Every pagan god. Glory, many heads, many hands, all that. This god hanging on the cross. Foolishness. God's kill, 
They don't die. They finish their enemies off. But our God died. Foolishness. Understand. For the Jews, it's a stumbling block. The suffering Savior is a stumbling block. Goes even till today. They're waiting for the overcoming Savior. Stumbling block. To the Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, which Christ? The one who was crucified. The power of God and the wisdom of God. Now take your eyes off from the real Christ. Because much of the Christ that is being preached in the 21st century is not the Christ who is crucified. It's a Christ who is prosperous. It's a Christ who gives no trouble in your life. It's a Christ who just elevates you. Not a Christ who is crucified. They preach a glory where there is no cross. A crown where there is no cross. In Hebrews 10 and verse 7. This is what he had said. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. We've been hearing it over and over again, those who have been hearing. But when you read scripture, when you study scripture, first and foremost, look for Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rebuked his disciples for the hardness of their hearts. And he opened their understanding and showed from the scriptures, Moses, prophets, the Psalms, he showed them. It is all about me. And Paul writes a letter to the Philippians. He says, Jesus died according to the scriptures, buried and rose again according to the scriptures. When they are talking about scriptures, then they are talking about the Old Testament. They are not talking about even the New Testament. New Testament isn't there. So the entire Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. The New Testament, of course, is a revelation of who he is. One is a shadow, the other is a substance. Because you can go into the word of God and receive wonderful principles, wisdom, knowledge, and all go and miss Christ. You need to find Christ and then receive the other. Okay, It's a fantastic text. I, I did the book of Job for my MA literature. And we had a few other texts when we are doing our research at Iflu also from the Bible. Even secular professors teach from the Bible. They don't find Christ. They don't see Christ. So keep that in mind. Next I want to turn to John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic, Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. So there he hung on the cross. Four pieces. Five pieces actually. There were four of them who crucified him. And they are at at there. And they have divided four parts. You take this, I take this, you take this, you take. Then they look at his, that coat, 
the outer one. It was seamless. They said, we don't want to tear this. We don't want to tear this. Let's gamble. Just think it in your mind. There is he right above them hanging. Hanging. Back. Whipped to ribbons. Head. The crown of thorns. Beaten with rods. Beard plucked. Bleeding all over. There they are down. Throwing lots. Who gets the peace? Psalm 22 verse 18. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier it was written. He died according to scriptures. Every detail about the Messiah was prophesied. And he has come to fulfill scriptures. So four soldiers, five pieces of clothing. Man's last act with the son of man, the son of God, was dividing his clothes. The last piece, they are gambling. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. First comes the pain. Then comes the shame. Enduring the cross. There is he. On the ground. And they have nailed him. Then before it is raised, he is stripped. He's hanging there. The son of God. Absolutely naked. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. So when you look unto Jesus, you need to be very sure which Jesus are you looking at. Because what the church will need, if it has to come through in the last days, is endurance. The very endurance of the Savior. Enduring the pain and the shame of the cross. What did he see? He saw the joy that was set before him. What did he see? He saw his church. He saw his bride. Therefore, what do we see? We see our savior. We see our bridegroom. So when our hour comes, we endure because we see him. Because he endured. Because he saw us. This is the final humiliation. Mankind. Final humiliation to the Savior. He hung there. Remember, all had forsaken him. If you look at his body, it's whipped. Scourging he received. The crown of thorns. Like I said, the beard pulled. Hand and feet nailed. Bleeding all over. A broken, abused, and naked body. Acts chapter 10, verse 5. When he had come, he had said this in eternity. 
Uh, Hebrews 10.5, sorry. Hebrews 10.5. This is what he said. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. That's a prepared body that's hanging on the cross. See, when the high priest offered the animal, he prepared the body. But there were many hands, many soldiers, many people who prepared the body of the Savior. Those who beat his head with rods, those who plucked his beard, those who spat upon him, those who scourged his back, and finally those who stripped him and those who nailed him and those who raised the cross. So many hands, a prepared body. Why it is so important? Everything he is doing is for you and me. Let me put it the other way, for me and you. Everything that he is going through is for us. Never devalue the cross in your life. You will take your salvation lightly. It was paid with a price. Only one man could pay. Only one man could pay. That was the price that was paid. So there hung the Son of God who became the Son of Man and he hung there naked on the cross. The title of today's message, Sammy, is Naked. Point number one. You all have goals. We have all have dreams. Everybody. The question is, is there anything more important in our life than the will of God? How will my life end? How will my life end? Listen to Job. Chapter 1 and verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First Timothy 6 and verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Solomon will say in the book of Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 15. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. He shall take nothing from his labor which he may carry away in his hand. The mouth of three witnesses, it is established. So the question is, what is the condition of your soul? Because that's the only thing you will take with you. Look at the savior of the world. He's hanging there absolutely naked. He takes nothing with him. If he can take nothing from this world except his soul, neither can you or me. So everything you do in this life, everything you sweat to possess, ask yourself, is it worth it? Will I take it with me? Will I take it with me? Three witnesses. Job, Solomon, Paul, the absolute witness of all witnesses. 
Jesus, the Son of God. What is the condition of your soul? It's a simple question. Today, the first of May, the fifth month, ask yourself. If today was the last day, should live like that. Every day is my last day. And you don't worry about your possessions. When there is a scratch, a tear, you miss a meal. You won't worry about these things. Today was my last day. What am I taking with me? What is the state of my soul? It's not a body that's going to stand before God. It's your soul. What is the state of my soul? Ask yourself. Luke 23, 34. The state of his soul. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. Let me ask you this question. When you have been stripped of everything, everything that you had in this life, can you still pray? Joe prayed. Jesus prayed. Stephen prayed. Paul prayed. Can we pray? For much of prayer is for what we have lost and what we want to gain. But this is a different prayer altogether. That's why we need to examine ourselves when we have been stripped naked. Can we pray? What is the state of our soul? Examine yourself. It's a cry of the Savior, of the Apostle. Examine yourself. Final chapter of the second letter to the book of in the church in Corinth. 16 plus 13. 29 chapters. No church got so much from God. The church in Corinth. The final question to the church. Examine yourself. Whether you are in the faith or not. Test yourself whether Christ Jesus is in you. If you were stripped of everything in life. Is Christ there? Because Christ prays. And he prays for his enemies. He's not praying, cover me. He's saying, Lord, cover them. For they don't know what they are doing. Will you be able to pray? Will I be able to pray? Ask yourself. Ask ourselves. These are questions we need to ask. When that day and the hour comes, when things happen in our lives, are we really able to pray? Joe prayed. One day he was stripped. He lost everything. Wealth gone. Children gone. Everything gone in one day. The Bible says he went on his face. And he worshipped. He prayed. And he thanked God. Naked I came from the mother's womb. Naked I go. The Lord gives. The Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. First Samuel 30 and verse 6. But David prayed. David would never face before or after a day like this in his life. This is the worst day in his entire life. He comes to Ziglag. He's been cast out by the Philistines. He can't go to Saul. He's been being hunted by Saul for years. He has found refuge in the Philistine camp. And now the Philistines don't want him. Israel doesn't want him. He's lost everything. Ziglag has been burned. His wives, his children, everything has been taken captives. 
His soldiers have picked up stones to stone him. He's all alone. And the Bible says he prayed. He stripped. Absolutely stripped of all his strength. Nothing. But one thing you couldn't strip from him. His dependence upon God. He prayed. He encouraged himself in the Lord. It's a question God is asking. The first lesson you learn when you are naked, when you have been stripped of everything, do we have Christ in us? Because Christ prays. Naked he hung there because nothing we take with us. Nobody has ever taken anything with them. Not even Christ. He has not taken anything. Hebrews 2 and verse 3. Hebrews 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Most things in life get spoiled or destroyed because of neglect. Where's your house? Where's your yard? Where's your vehicle? Any possession, you neglect it, it will automatically entropy sets in. Same thing is true about your salvation. How shall we escape? How shall we escape? 33 and a half years, every day early in the morning, this was his routine. He rose. He sought his father's voice. He prayed. He never neglected our salvation. He's not fighting for his salvation. He's fighting for our salvation. He never neglected it. He becomes the shepherd of our souls because he was first a good shepherd of his own soul. We sing that song, shepherd of our soul. How well are we taking care of our souls? How will we escape? Peter, in the first chapter of Peter, when he talks about the fiery trials that the church is going through in the first age and for the past 2,000 years, the church is growing. The last days will be like the first days and it will be worse. The fire will be raised up seven times more. But he says, because your faith is more precious than gold. It has to be tested by fire. Why? He gives us the answer. Because what are you receiving? What is the end of your faith? The salvation of your soul. It's not the receiving of material things. It is the salvation of your soul. That's the end of your faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How does he finish my faith? My soul is saved in his entirety. Because anyone who comes to him, he's able to save them to the uttermost. He's able to save our soul to the uttermost. To the uttermost. The salvation of our souls. And the picture of the Savior hanging on the cross is simply this. You take nothing with you. All the things you're worried about today. All the things you get upset if you lose or you don't gain. Because entire economics of this world is based on loss and gain. Christ comes and tells, what does it profit you, man? 
you gain the whole world and lose your soul. The rich man who was thinking about like Elon Musk or buying another one more company. Ramba, that is modern day. One more company. Okay, Twitter. What about Coca-Cola? You fool. Did you take account of your soul? But today you will die. Today you will die. That were told to any one of us. Today is your last day. Priorities immediately change. Immediately change. That's why in yesterday's Q&A, if you listen, we said, if you have a bank account called unforgiveness, it should be empty. Every day, empty. Bank balance, zero. Because you do not know when you will be called to account. And there will be no time to put right relationships. There will be no time even to send a text. I'm sorry. Not that you are not saved, but the state of your soul will be terrible. The state of your soul. Here the son is will enter into his glory. You know why? Because on the cross, he's guarding his soul. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Caiaphas does not know what he does. Did Ananas doesn't know what he did. Pilate doesn't know what he did. My disciples who ran away does not know what they did. And these Roman soldiers who whipped me and spat upon me and crucified me, they don't know what they do. Lord, absolutely clear my soul. I hold nothing against anybody. When I walked on earth, I trusted you. When I walked on earth, I was content with whatever you gave me. See, Father, I bring nothing with me. These hands were contented with what you gave me all the days of my life. Absolutely content. Because I knew, I had told Job, and I had told Solomon, naked you come, naked you go. What I told them is fulfilled perfectly in my life. I came naked out of Mary's womb and I go naked to my father, taking nothing. For others, it's just a metaphor. For him, it's reality. It's going naked to tell us, you take nothing. The only thing you take with you is your soul. What is the state of your soul? How will our life end? How will our life end? Think about it. Think about the second man who died after Jesus in the Bible. Stephen. When he went to the Sanhedrin and opened his mouth and gave his defense, he did not know that day was his last day. Did he know? No, he didn't know. He didn't know this day is going to end with his death. But what you need to realize is, when they dragged him out, out and started stoning him, his cry was, would you please tell Peter, I am so sorry for what I told him yesterday. And John also, I grumbled. No, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. His relationships are absolutely crystal clear. He has nobody to forgive. He's ready for his death when it is unexpected. 
Absolutely ready. All he has to do is forgive his enemies. There's nobody in his life with whom he has to put anything right. It is being right. With God and with man. So Stephen also, naked he came. Naked he went. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, and he could pray and bless the Lord. The Bible says, I see the heavens open. And I see the Son of Man standing. The question is this. Will our faith hold? Pestilence came. War followed. Famine is here. And persecution against the church is rising around the world. The question is, will it hold? Will my faith hold? Will your faith hold? Second point, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17. Because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. And naked. This is the final church. Do we realize how empty our bows are? How empty our bows are? I don't have to worry like others because, you know, at the end of the day, I have my certificates. I got my bank balance. I got a house of my own. Oh, you don't know how wretched you are. How miserable you are. You don't know in the eyes of God, in the spiritual realm, you are naked. You are naked. How empty are the bows of man. You are wretched and you do not know it. You are miserable and you do not know it. You are poor and you do not know it. You are blind and you do not know it. And you are naked. And you do not know it. And you are saying, I will make it to heaven. Laodicea, Laodicea. Laodicea, Laodicea. Let me ask anybody here. Anybody here. I am not asking you to give me an answer or to be theologically correct. Just to be Correct before God. If today is your last day, why do you think you will go to heaven? Why do you think you should go to heaven? Why should God say come? Give me a reason. You don't have to give me a reason. This is examine yourself. Why do you think? This is the last day's church. I'm rich. Rich in many things. Those who are not rich in money, are rich in knowledge, rich in power, rich in so many things. Like I said, we are all on a power trip. It began in heaven. I will ascend to my throne. He went on a power trip. 
and he came down. Then he sold good salesman. He sold it to man. You eat it, you will be like God. Adam and Eve got into a power trip. Then marriage became a power trip. He shall rule over you, you shall rule over him. It became a power trip. Then two brothers come out, power trip over there. You, your sacrifice will show you. We don't realize everybody is on a power trip. That is why Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this question. It's good to study, good to study well, study hard. Let me ask you this question. Why do you study? Do you know you study because it's a power trip? The more knowledge you have, the more security you find in it, not in God. That's why the Bible says God calls the foolish things of this world, not the educated. Because the educated one has already found his security in his education. I can manage unlike the other fellow, little without God. Why do you pursue riches? Because you find security. It's a power trip. Why do you pursue beauty? It's a power trip. A real incident. Two ladies. One incident I'm quoting. Thousands of incidents have taken place like this. Two ladies for one job interview. And the entire board is men. The first one gets it. Later she rejects it. The second one gets it. Second one asks later one of the interview board who becomes a colleague, why didn't you pick me? And the answer was because the other one was better looking. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Because you are evaluated for your looks, your charm, your all these things. You know, so, so people try to be charming because it's a power trip. But there was nothing in him that we should desire. Let's be brutally honest. We put trust in these things. Trust in these things. Everything is a power trip. Just sold to us in the garden by the devil. But to us who are being saved, Christ crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. There is a power. A real power that will sustain you in every situation in life. That is a resurrection power. That is after the cross. Not without the cross. That is the power we are talking about. Not the power of the world. Not the power the enemy offers. Because if we sit in church, like the Laodicean church, and go on this power trip, we will say, I am rich. I have no need for anything. And there is a voice from heaven that tells of a reality. You have no clue what you really are. You are wretched. You are wretched. You are miserable. You are blind. You are naked. Everything. There is power on this side of the cross. And there is power on the other side of the cross. Right? Let me honestly ask you this thing. Just be honest. Just be honest. 
all of you kids who go to school, college, school, college, because I'm talking about those who have grown in this church, because your English language is much better, because you had the advantage. When you came, you had no language, not even Telugu, but now you're pretty good in English. Doesn't give you a complex when you go over there. Don't you kind of look down on the others because you speak English better? You're on a power trip. I'm telling you the truth. In this country especially, it's a huge thing. If you can speak English a little better than, and it's very easy because half of India doesn't speak English. And we have various variants of English from state to state. But if you can speak English, immediately you look down upon those who cannot speak English. When you reach heaven, you will realize a surprise. Many of the people there don't speak English. And probably many of them can't even write. Be careful. For the gospel is to the poor. Gospel is to the poor. That's why we have to really, really examine. Yes, I am saved. But after that, what has happened? I am moving in that same road. Because Jesus said one thing, I am the way. Meaning there is no other way. He is the way. It's not that he's showing us the way. He is the way. And the way is the way of the cross. There's no other way. No other way. And we don't like the cross. See, the cross Jesus asked us is not this cross. It's a different cross. It is not the death of the body. It's the death of the self. That is our problem. When the self is gone, what is left? We use this term without understanding its meaning. Selfless. But what does it mean, selfless? If there is no self, what is left? The only one who can become selfless is in whom there is Christ. Because if there is no selfless, the only thing that is left is Christ. That is the hope of our glory, not you, you and me. Our hope of our glory is Christ. In him was life. That life was the light of men. In him, in me and you, if there is Christ, that is the light of men. That is what it means we preach Christ crucified. We are only seeing Jesus at the last moments of his life, but all the days of his life he carried his cross. Let me ask you this more question. Why didn't you wake up this morning? For those who are on GTC group, I know what time you wake up. I know. If you want to tell you, I will tell you each time you woke, all, each, all of you woke up. You can't know it, but I can know it. My question is, why didn't you wake up? You think your need for God is lesser than the next one? Why would Jesus want to wake up early in the morning? He's son of God, right? Think those things. Meditate on these things. Don't be naked and not know. Because the Laudation Church thinks, we'll go to heaven. 
We will reign with him. They don't realize they are at the verge of being spat out. That's the worst part. They are at the verge of being spat out from the mouth of God. And they are not even aware of it. We might be at the verge of losing our salvation while we are dreaming grounds. Matthew 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Sabastani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? The father actually turned his face away from the son. Because the father is too pure, too holy to look on sin. And he won't look on sin, even if it is his own son. He just turned his face away because he became sin for us on the cross. He turned his face away. Matthew 22. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into the outer guard darkness. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the wedding of Jesus using parables. One guy somehow managed to sneak in. But when he's in the wedding hall, nobody realized. But the king came and said, this fellow is naked. Throw him out. The church in Laodicea thinks they are closed, but they don't know they are naked. They don't know they are naked. Meaning they think they are saved and they are not saved. They think they are sanctified when they are not sanctified. So the question is, am I closed or am I naked? Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Anybody here who's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Show me your hands. Who is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Really? It's been four months. Did you share the gospel to one person? One person? You talked movies? You talk politics, you talk food, you talk sports, you talked everything. But you were ashamed of the gospel, therefore you did not speak Christ. Be honest, be brutally honest with oneself. Let me ask you this question. You are traveling in a train or an airport and you are sitting over there. You will see lots of people reading books. Do you have the guts to take your Bible out and read? Most people don't, I know, because they are ashamed of the gospel. You share everything with your friends. In school, college, everything. 
But one thing only matters. Like God told Mary, one thing only matters. Did you share that one? Or did you finish 10 years of schooling and nobody knew who Christ was? To receive or not to receive is theirs. That's not the point. Where are you ashamed? That's what he says. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Why? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. That's the only way I will be covered. There is no way I can be covered of my nakedness. Because in the gospel there is the righteousness of God. There's no other way. Righteousness of God. Look at what the great man Paul says in Philippians 3, 7 to 9. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He says, you know what? I know the only way I can appear before God without being naked is if I'm covered with this and this alone. Nothing. Nothing. If I have to be covered in the eyes of God, I need the very dress of God, his own righteousness. And it only comes by faith and faith in Christ alone. And nothing that I do, nothing that I have, nothing that I have achieved. And if that is true, it will show. What you pursue will show. How you pursue will show. Everything will change. Immediately everything will change. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything. Why? Why would you pursue the kingdom of God? Why? Ultimately, you will die. Everyone will die. Any day we can die. And we will go exactly the way we came, naked. We take nothing. We will go with nothing. The question is, when we go from here to the other side, am I covered or am I naked? It's the only thing. Like we were saying last night, two men, just neighbors, but rich man doesn't want to call Lazarus his neighbor. But practical terms, he's, he's his neighbor. There is this rich man, the Bible says, clothed in purple. And Lazarus in rags, just covering his nakedness. Swords from head to toe can't cover that. No clothes to cover it. No ointment, no balm. Only the dogs come and comfort Eat sumptuously, eats on leftovers. But in the twinkling of an eye, something happened. Eternity calls. Suddenly the rich man is naked. And Lazarus is covered. Rich man was right in every decision in this world except one. Food, if you, he buys the best. He checks the quality. Checks the price is not a problem. Clothes, the best. House, the best. Every He was extremely good decision maker. And he prospered in everything. Lazarus, on the other hand, we don't know how he began, but we know how he ended. He ended as a beggar, meaning he made every goof up you could think about. 
ultimately he had no power to make decisions. He had no money to make any decisions. He had no house, no food, no clothing. So every decision he made was wrong. But he made one right decision. That was connected with eternity. One right decision. This man, all right decision, one wrong decision. When eternity came, only one decision mattered. Are you covered? Or are you naked? Naked I come. Naked I go. Our bows are all empty. Whatever your profession. Even me in the ministry. If I were to die today. Oh, 27 years of ministry. There he comes. No, the first thing he says, are you covered? Or are you naked? The ministry counts to nothing for the first gate. Nothing. Are you covered? Or are you naked? Our works mean nothing. Entry into the kingdom of God. That's why he says, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How serious are we about the state of our soul? On that day, Christ hung there naked. All stood there below, clothed. But one day, we'll all stand before him. He will be clothed. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. He's not naked. He's not naked. He's clothed. From here to our feet, the huge golden band. He's absolutely clothed. But how will we stand before him? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse right 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. On that day, he will be completely clothed and everyone will stand there naked. Every deed, every thought, every action will be revealed in before his eyes. What do we do? So reverse. <laughs> on the cross, he was naked and everybody was clothed. But on that day, he will be clothed and we will be naked. All will be bare before him. And we'll have to give an account. Therefore, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18, he counsels us. I counsel you. See, he doesn't say, I command you. Counsel you. Advice. To buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich. White garments, that you may be clothed. He says, buy from me. Buy from me. Those who believed, their nakedness was covered. But that doesn't mean you have outer garments. Only your nakedness was covered. After that, buy 
buy from me. You have to buy. You can reach heaven well clothed. Very well covered. But you have to buy it. You have to buy it from the Lord. You have to pay a price for it. It doesn't come cheap. Only the first part of salvation is cheap. You receive by faith. He covers you. After that, you have to buy from him. That's why 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul is very, very clear about this. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, when we hear testimonies or stories from the persecuted church, we feel sorry for them. No, they should feel sorry for us. They are well covered. We are naked. They are well covered. We are able to say no when the sword is at their throat. We are not able to say no to a dress at the dressing mall or a site on the pond web. They say no. And we feel sorry for them. No, they feel sorry for us. That's what the underground church in North Korea said when they heard, we are praying for you. They said, don't. Don't. The Americans told them, we are praying for you. They said, don't. What are you praying for us? To become like you? No. Our Savior is very close to us. We do not want to lose him. Kim Jong may roll us under the Road rollers. He may mix our blood with the tar, but it is good with us because he is close to us. Don't pray for us to become like you. We pray for you that you will know him the way we know him because the Lord is very close. I'm not saying there's any virtue in persecution, but persecution will bring a division. Pestilence brought a division. War has brought a division. Famine brings a division. Persecution brings a division. God uses these things which are inherently evil to bring a division within the body who are his and who are not his. He does. And then he will come, not to chastise us, but to counsel us. And he will tell us, buy from me. You ran after all these things, right? What happened when famine came? Did it sustain you? Right. You had all the money in the bank when they locked down the city for 75 days. What could you buy? Nothing. There was no home delivery also. What could you buy? Did you understand? Buy from me. Gold, that is refined by fire. Buy from me. White garments. Buy from me. Look to the things that are eternal. Then only the temporal will make sense. If you look at the temporal, the eternal will not make sense. 
look every day at the eternal like jesus rise up early in the morning or whatever your time shift does but first thing in the morning is god first thing in the morning first thing in the day is god and i'm not talking about religion i'm talking about god encountering god like jesus did on the mountain or in the wilderness and then comes down after encountering god and then the pressures of the day don't feel like pressure you are able to withstand everything because you have encountered him and given him the rightful place and you have come endured with power as he promised clothed with power that's what he promised there's a personal issue a home issue a office issue or a national issue you know i have the power not to deny him because we do not have in ourselves the power to deny him we do not have in ourselves the power to say no to the world we do not have in ourselves to say no to temptation we need it first that's why paul says i want to know first his resurrection power then share in his sufferings not share in his sufferings you cannot share in his sufferings it is impossible to share in his sufferings do you know what his sufferings was Do you know what is the suffering yesterday pastor PJ was talking about a mindset a mindset a mindset a mindset have mindset go to first peter chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2 it's a mindset it's a mind that prepares you know what that mindset is arm yourself arm your sins christ suffered for us in the flesh he suffered for us in the flesh arm yourself also with the same mind for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin it's all once your body has been put to death that's why he said deny yourself pick up your cross there's no way you can sin everybody is fighting the devil everybody is fighting the world you cannot fight the devil or the world you can only fight your body your flesh fighting the devil is for the salvation of others not for yourself you cannot fight the world the world will not change because you said stop it will not stop it will keep on moving what you can do is that you can tell your flesh stop that's why jesus is able to say the ruler of this world has come he found nothing in me what did he arm himself he armed himself with this mind that brought his flesh to death every day therefore when he stepped out in the world he was always a blessing and the world had no effect on him the world keep on changing but he was one constant one constant why because he dealt with his flesh every day that is the mindset you are talking about and that mindset he armed himself till the last moment there he hangs on the cross absolutely naked suffering in his flesh enduring the cross and what is he speaking he's speaking from his soul father forgive them they don't know what they are doing point on the cross he's able to take care of his home responsibilities too we have no cross we have no pain we have no time for home there is he hanging on the cross in one second he knows all his brothers and sisters and he knows they are not responsible in one second he knows all his disciples will die early but one will remain alive that is john so he looks at john and looks at his mother and says son that's your mother mom that and the bible says that same day john took mary to her house hanging on the cross 
and we worry about home responsibility too much for me. He's hanging on the cross. You know why? Because his flesh is dead. And his spirit is alive. Spirit is alive. He's able to lead one man in that situation into the kingdom of God. We got four months. We led nobody. Hanging on the cross, he led somebody into the kingdom. That's the power God is talking about. You need to ask serious questions. Because we are literally, like the book of Revelation says, there is no more time. That day is approaching. Time will be rolled up. So there he hung, broken, bruised, bloody, naked. Why? Isaiah 52 and verse 14. Oh, 53, 53. Yeah, yeah. As many as were astonished at you. So his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. The closest any movie has come to this is the passion of Christ. That is probably what he looked like by the time they have finished with him. This is Jesus. As many was astonished at you, your visage was, visage means your appearance was marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of man. See, the other two thieves were only crucified. They didn't go through what he went through. He was whipped. He was beaten. His beard was plucked. His head had been jammed with the throne. They didn't go through that. So if you look at the man in the middle, his visage is marred. You can't even recognize him. Beyond recognition. You look at him hanging over there. You can't make out. Who is this? You want to turn your face away. Turn your face away. Turn to Jeremiah, the portion I gave you. 1719. Oh, 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 not that one. Heart is deceitful. Pastor Vijay? Nine, nine, not eight, nineteen. Sorry, nine. I'm sorry. One digit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can we know our heart? How terrible it is? Do you know this? If our heart were to be put across in a picture form, do you know what it looked like? That's what we saw hanging on the cross. From where we turn our face from. He became that. That's the state of the human heart. That's the state of everyone's heart. Is what you saw on the cross. We turn our face away. This is what we really are. Do you want to know? Can anyone know it? God says, yes. Look at my son on the cross. Do you know why he looks like that? That is the picture of your heart. He became sin for man. If sin could be personified, if sin could have a picture, that's what it looks like. Because everybody says, no, I follow my heart. Have you any idea what our heart looks like without a new heart? Because out of the heart proceeds everything. Out of the heart of man, this is what we made the Savior look like. This is our heart. This is what we will do to the best of men. 
<laughs> what will we do to the lesser ones? Romans 4, 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed are those. Sins are covered. The iniquities are forgiven. The sins are covered. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what I'm getting at? Genesis 3, 7. 6,000 year history of man began there. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. Everything man is trying to do is to cover his nakedness. Everything that you do. That is why we take pride in something in our life. Something in our life will take pride. We have two resumes. One we present for our job and another resume we present to ourselves. Two resumes we have. The other job rejection is not so bad if you have money. But if anybody touches this one, in Malayalam we say, Tani nirap My original color will come out. Another resume is there. There's a color inside. Touch me there. Why? That is what we use to cover our nakedness. I've seen this from childhood. First, we tried it. Then, God in his mercy delivered us from that. Then you become a teacher. And you have all these young ones. The problem is when you are an English teacher, unlike other subjects, you know your students. Other teachers don't know their students because they only teach subjects. We teach life. So you see, those days it was not, it was a walkman. Okay? So you take one and put it in. Oh, you listening to this song? Do you even understand what the words are? So you also got a fig leaf. To cover yourself. You don't understand one word in that song. But you have to put a covering. Because you are naked. Out of the library, one set of children coming out. You stop here. You read this. So you also got a fig leaf. The songs we sing, the books we pretend to read, the clothes we wear. These are all fig leaves. You know what we are trying to do? We are trying to cover our nakedness and pretend to be something which we are not. It's a great day of great humiliation if we don't deal with that in this life when we stand and everybody will see our dick. Are you were never that? I never knew.
the funniest part of this sentence is that there are only two human beings and this husband and wife and they're dressing. <laughs> dressing, it's like that Iglid saying, all dressed and nowhere to go. Honestly ask. Because I had to deal with many generations of students. Because I was very kind to them. I used to tell them, you get into this rat trap, you will never get out of it. You will never get out of it. All your energy, your time, your resources will be pursuing it. By the time you wake up to reality of eternity, you won't have much time left. Till we gone. Wake up early. Early when you are young. Wake up and realize the temporal things don't matter. Eternal things matter. Everything temporal I will see in the light of eternity. Because there he hung. His visage was marred beyond recognition. We would turn our face away from him. Because that is a reflection of my own heart. This is what I really look like. Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven and his sins are covered. Covered. Do you know how we came into this world? Psalm 51.5 I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my that's how we were born. We were covered in sin and iniquity. The baby we held and we were so happy, you know, the actual picture of the baby is the man who is hanging on the cross. The heart of that baby is that man hanging on the cross. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. To get that baby to become a rebel, you don't have to do anything, just leave it alone. Do nothing, it will automatically become, because that is what the baby is. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And that's what the Bible says. That's what he became on the cross. And the picture we see is a picture of every human heart. Every child that is born. Don't put your trust in anything. But the blood of Jesus. But the blood works only for the ones who know how to use it. How to come before him every day and ask the courage to say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Cleanse me of hidden things. Continuously cleanse me. Because I realize, when I look into eternity, I realize I am naked. Everything is revealed to you. Lord, cover me. Lord, what does it take to buy more? I am willing to pay the price. Buy from me, he says. White garments. What is the price? What is the price? See, all of us walk around happily, but we have some palpitation. And we have this sweating out and heartbeats goes up or low, whatever it is. You know what? We will run to Dr. David. Or to one of the diagnostics. We will pay through our nose to get a report the state of our heart. A heart which will definitely stop one day. Why don't you go to the maker of that heart and ask him to give you a scan? What is the state of my heart? What is the state of my heart, Lord? 
Because Lord, I'm looking into eternity. When I look into eternity, I don't want to lose anything. Because I look into the promises of God. Like I said yesterday, salvation is by faith. Judgment is by works. Judgment is not by faith. Salvation is by faith in the complete work of Jesus and Jesus alone and nothing else. From the beginning of your life to the last day of your life, your entry ticket into heaven is your faith in that and that. At nowhere down the road can you change. It's by that and that alone. That keeps us humble. Because everybody, like Lord Mountbatten said, everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. It doesn't matter whether you are Noah or whether you are a snake or a turtle or a snail. Everybody gets in through the one door. There's only one door in the ark. And that's at the bottom. Only one door. There are no three doors. Three stories, three doors. No. Three stories, one door. Many rooms, one door to enter. Only one door. And it doesn't matter who you are. And that's exactly what Paul God tells Peter. The sheet comes down. All kinds of animals, creepy, crawly things. Everybody gets through only one door. Everybody can be cleansed only by God. One door. You have to get through that door. There is wasn't all the time to get in through that door. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. And the Bible says, when they got in, he shut the door. Grace is over. Judgment is beginning. Once you get in, again it's left to you. Now it is left to you. Where do you want to stay? You want to stay in ground floor? Fine. You stay with the worms. Stay with the snakes. Stay with the centipedes. That's your choice. Or you want to go up a little higher? That's your choice. There are four-footed animals in level two. Or you want to a little go higher? The birds are there. Those who fly. All the creatures that got into the ark, only two are named. You know that? Nobody is named there. Only two creatures are named. A raven and a dove. The raven is sent out. He never comes back. Are you a raven? You reached level three, but you are a raven because you never come under authority. Yes, you got it. Yes, you climbed up. But subjection, no way, Jose. I'm waiting for my first chance. You let me, I am not back. I'm asking all you young men sitting over here and young girls sitting over here, the day you get your liberty outside the city, will you come back? You leave search for a church and go into the church. I'm telling you, many of you won't. Talking real things, the state of our own hearts. The dove is released. It finds no resting place. Comes straight back. Noah puts his hand and takes it in. Can you go back to the hands of the one that has sent you? I find no resting place here. I'm not looking for anything. I'm secure only in your hands. Can we be like Jesus to wake up early in the morning, find a place and say, you sent me, but I'm coming back. I find security only in your hands. Take me back in your hands and send me out again. Back and forth, back and forth. One day he came with a green leaf. Forty days and forty nights, only it rained. Five months the waters abated. But do you know how many days they were in the ark? One year and ten days. 
How many days it rain? 40 days and 40 nights. How many days it cover? And everything came down? Five months. But how many days did they stay in the ark? One year? Ten days. He did not step out until God told him. He's not. Stayed there. God finally, you look through the window, everything is fine. But you are still in. Why? Because you haven't heard the voice of the Lord asking you. The one who told you to come in has not told you to get out. Because God did not say, go into the ark. He said, come into the ark. Because he's inside. Now you come. Now if I have to go out, he needs to go out. I will wait for his voice. One year, ten days later, the Lord says, go out. And he opens the door and he goes out. And the first thing he does is he offers a sacrifice. He builds an altar and offers a sacrifice. They didn't go sightseeing. Or a new earth, yar. We came to a new place, yar. We are on top of a mountain. Let us go sightseeing. No, build an altar. Build an altar. Build an altar. Shem, Japheth, Ham, come. Let's build an altar. And let's offer him a sacrifice. First act of man out of the ark. Builds an altar. You know what? God is melted. And he makes a covenant. I will not destroy mankind with flood again. You know why? Because the first man who came out of the ark built an altar and offered a sacrifice. We were rescued from flood. One man. This is the gospel. Blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven. Whose iniquities are forgiven. And his sins are covered. You know why it's covered? Because he is uncovered. My sins are covered. God pulled the robe of righteousness from his son. And he became naked. Not to our eyes. He became naked to his father's eyes. And the father turned his face away. Then he took the righteousness and covers each one of us. That's the only way we can be covered. There's no other way of covering. Before we go to communion, Isaiah 55 and verse 22. 45 and 22, sorry. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. You look at the man hanging on the cross. The gospel is very simple. Very simple. Paul will tell the church, like he was deceived by the devil, don't be moved away from the simplicity of the gospel. Look unto that man hanging on the cross and be saved. That's simple answer. It's so simple, the wise will miss it. It is so simple. There is no other way of salvation. Look unto him and him alone and be saved. For there is no other God. That is why the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But we preach Christ crucified. You tell me any religion which talks of a God who was crucified. Any religion. The 4,210 religions are the last count. Tell me one where God, your faith comes from. A man hanging on the cross. 
When I was a teenager in college, and we were sitting at the central stadium behind the secretary in Tivandrum, one set of us friends, and we were talking, discussing religion. My Hindu friend said, your God couldn't save himself, how can he save me? Because that's how the world sees him. Which God have you seen who doesn't have a sword, a spear, and all these things, and comes with power? But look unto him. And be saved. It's as simple. The only thing God will accept is the work of his son. Nothing else. Look unto him who is hanging on the cross. How? Stark? Naked. Don't dress him up. Don't put jewelry on him. Come to Jesus, you will be blessed. No, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Festival of blessings, no. Festival of repentance and salvation. Don't dress him up. The gospel is very simple. We try to dress Jesus up to attract crowds. Who is telling you they are getting saved? They just make a decision and go back and nothing is changed in their lives. You know why? Because we added to the naked man on the cross. The gospel is absolutely simple. Look unto me, ends of the earth, and be saved. You don't preach blessings to an unsaved man. You don't preach healing to an unsaved man. You preach the kingdom first. Of course, Jesus asked them, what do you want? You want that? Take it. But when somebody talked salvation, whether it was Nicodemus in the night or the Samaritan woman in the daytime, he sat them down. That's what you want? This is what you have to do. Salvation is a different thing. You can receive the greatest miracle of God in your life and not be saved and not be changed. You know that? All four Gospels, if I'm right, record a man. And one Gospel gives his name too. His name was Malachus. Peter took his sword and cut his ear off when they came to arrest Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus put it back and he was healed. Neither in the Bible nor in church history is Malachus ever mentioned because it didn't move him at all. The last miracle of Jesus Christ in his living self, in this old body, was the healing of Malachas. Made no difference to Malachas. He got his ear back. He did not get saved. Not even church history. Because all the other people are mentioned in church history. But not Malachas. Be careful. The simplicity of the gospel. Paul will tell in Acts 16.31. He will tell. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. That's all you have to do. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Which Jesus Christ? Christ who died. Christ who was buried. Christ who rose again. Believe in him alone. He who was crucified. Don't add any saint to it. Don't add his mother to it. Don't add his father to it. Don't add his father David to it. Don't add anybody to it. You will not get saved. Look unto me. Look unto me. O ends of the earth. And you shall be saved. We preach Christ crucified. 
It is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the wisdom of God. Are you saved? If you are saved and being saved, there will be an undeniable factor in your life. That is the cross. You will pick up your cross and you will walk because you know that's the wisdom of God. But if you believe in the wisdom of man, you will put aside your cross. When he said it was finished, it was finished. Faith unto faith. Romans 1.17 For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Faith to faith. As you move from faith to faith, the garments are increasing. First you were imputed with the righteousness of Christ. That's not enough. Move from faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. And every act of faith, it is the righteousness of God that is being added to your life. Your nakedness is covered. So buy from him. Revelation 3.18 will say, buy from him. Buy. Pay a price for faith. Build up yourself in the most holy faith. Buy from him a prayer life. It won't just come. There are no gifts like prayer life. You have to buy from it. You have to learn to put God first and foremost. You have to. It's a sacrifice. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed he who watches and keeps his garments because you can lose it. Watch. Watch. Because you won't know when I will come. You won't know when I will come. You will not know, God says, when I will come. So watch your garments. Don't You don't have to watch your bank deposit. You don't have to watch your car. You don't have to watch your house. He says, watch your garments. Because when I come, you will suddenly realize, only thing that matters is, am I naked or am I dressed? Watch your garments. Watch your garments. Second Corinthians 5, 1 to 3. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with a habitation which is from Simple question. Is that our groan? What are we groaning for? What are we groaning for? Are we tired? Not because of problems, but because of quest of righteousness. Sick of this evil world. Do we see the world as evil? Everything contaminated by evil. I'm sick and Tired of this evil, Lord, I'm waiting for that world that comes in which dwells righteousness. And I'm sick of this body because this body is tuned to this evil. And I'm groaning for that new body where I'll be away from the presence of sin. This is the cry of the saints. I want to be clothed, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from 
heaven. Indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Shall not be found naked. We'll go to communion. But before we go to communion, remember one thing. In Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great standing before God and books were opened. There are two judgment seats. You will see. You, you read the Bible. The souls under the altar are also saying, Lord, how long? What are they saying? When will we get our bodies, please? We've been waiting so long. How long? God says a little more while. And what does he say? Give them white robes. Temporary. Just let them be dressed. Then the tribulation sins. All who had washed their robes in blood. But this group is standing there naked. It's nothing to cover them. Everyone who is dead rises up. But no covering. Heaven has fled. Earth has fled before him. Everyone. Don't be part of this group. Don't be part of this group. This is a group who will stand there absolutely naked. We are not talking about a physical nakedness. We are talking about your entire life is there. Everything that was hidden comes out because it was not repented, forsaken and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's all there. And I believe they will look terrible. You will see people as they really are. The most handsome man on earth looking like the most terrible wicked man as he really is. The most beautiful looking women and all those gorgeous people we talked about. We will see them as they really are. And earth flees. And heaven flees. And God sees them. And he says, let the books be opened. You know why they were naked? Because they didn't receive his covering. You know why he went naked? So that he could cover us. He could cover us. No one has to be naked anymore. No one has to stand before God naked. No one. Come. Worship team, come. The elders, come. Father, this morning we just come to you. Naked you hung on that tree. Your visage marred beyond recognition. Let everyone who turned their face away from you. Even the father turned his face away from you. But you went through that so that you could cover us. Look unto me is the Christ. Even today as we partake of the emblems of this, your body and your blood, we will look unto you. The only one who can cover us. The only one who can hide our shame, our guilt, our condemnation. You are the only one. There is no God beside thee. The only one who can save. Save us. 
from ourselves, gentle Savior. As each day passes, we realize we are our worst enemy. Save us to the uttermost. We come at these emblems into thy hands. Let it bring healing. Let it bring strength. Let it release power into our lives, O Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Please rock hold it in your hands. We shall partake of it together. Rock the ages service. I want the worship team to stay there. I want you to turn to Mark 14 and verse 51 and 52. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young men laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from there naked. I believe this was the Apostle John. This is when Jesus is arrested. All these ones who said, we will go with him and die with him. But when they laid hands on Jesus, they fled. One of them fled naked. If our day and hour comes, and they lay hands on us. What will we do? 
Will you look for an escape? Reject him? Say it's not worth it? What is what is the choice you will take? John fled. The same John a few days later would be flogged and he wouldn't flee. And the Bible would say they were rejoicing because they were counted worthy. Counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. That's what I write to our churches every day when they go through this. Remember children, you have been counted worthy. You've been counted worthy. You've been counted worthy to bear the marks of Christ in your body. And I tell them, when you do that, and thank God and praise God, the spirit of glory rests upon you. Run if you have to. Hide if you have to. But if you can't, like Paul and Silas did. Do you remember? In Philippi, they were stripped. They were stripped. Paul was stripped. And he was flogged. And he was thrown into prison. The Bible says, they were singing. They were singing. Why were they singing? You can only strip me of my clothes. You cannot strip me of my righteousness. The world did not give it. The world cannot take it. Therefore I will rejoice. You can strip me of my name. You can strip me of my possessions. You can strip me of my wealth. You can strip me of it all. You cannot strip me of my sight. I can see what is true. What is valuable. You cannot strip me of my joy. I am not miserable. I am rejoicing. I am not wretched. I am blessed. I am not poor. I am rich in him. And I am not naked. I am covered. That's the reality of faith. That's the reality of faith. And take each day that way. Because like I said, the separation is happening around the world. And God is allowing it. God is allowing it. All the situations that is happening, it brings us separation. Pestilence will bring us separation. War will bring us separation. Famine will bring us separation. Persecution will bring us separation. And God allows it to let us know what we are inside. Because if these things don't happen, we will think we are saved when we are not saved. That's why we need to examine ourselves. Let me tell you something from Romans to Revelation. From the book of Romans to Revelation, every letter was written to the persecuted church. Therefore, we won't understand unless we are part of it. It is doctrine for us. It is life for them. Understand that. The Bible was written to the persecuted church. 
You go to persecuted church or see pictures of persecuted churches. They don't read the Bible like us. They read the Bible like this. That's how they read. With tears soaking the pages. Because they find him in this. So these days of peace and liberty we have, we do not know how long we will have it. Hide this in your heart. So that if one day this is taken away. Taken away. They cannot take away. He who is in your heart. Why? Because he is there. Naked. He was not ashamed of us. Know why he became naked? Because he was not ashamed of us. So the question today is, are you and me ashamed of him? Are you and I ashamed of him? Paul in his first treatise, book of Romans says, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I preach Christ crucified. Shall we stand? Father, this morning, this first day of this fifth month, we talk about grace. We talk about grace upon grace. We talk about the power of grace. We talk about all facets of grace. And we say grace cannot be earned. It has to be freely received. Yes, free for us. Because you hung on the cross, naked. So that no man has to stand before God, naked. Help us to see Christ crucified. Then only we can understand the glory of resurrection. We don't want to swallow the bait of the devil. Bow down and worship. You can circumvent the cross. I can give you all these things. We don't want to eat that lie. For you said, Any man who wants to follow me, who wants to be a disciple, must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. The power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, be our daily life. Let it mean, let it not be a dogma. Let it not be a doctrine. Let it be life. For from the cross flows life. Be with us, Lord. Go before us. Because when we step out, the world waits for us. The ruler of the world waits for us. Help us to be able to say, he found nothing in me. Because everything that I have is Christ. And Christ cannot be tempted. Christ cannot be enticed. Christ cannot be overcome. Help us to live that each day, Lord. We come to the foot of the cross. 
we cling to the cross. Our life flows from the cross. I just want to thank you, Father, once again. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Go with us, Lord. Go before us. We have not gone this way before. We do not know what may holds. It does not matter what it holds. All we say, Lord, do not pass us by. Hold us to you. We don't have the strength to hold to you. You hold us to you and take us through. Here, all the churches, everywhere they were listening, bless them, comfort them, and wrap that nail-pierced hands around the broken, bruised young boys, girls, men and women. Comfort them. Gentle Savior, comfort them. Thank you, thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We declare in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.